open your Bibles, we're going to turn to the book of Luke and chapter 24. We're actually going to look into a word that I've, I was just thinking about it. I think I've only ever heard it spoken in the context of uh, the Bible or in our fellowship, which is tarrying or to tarry. Um, and I remember growing up, um, we'd talk about the future sometimes. And I remember my mum in particular would say, oh, if, if the Lord tarries, then, then this might happen. And um, probably before I even knew what that word meant, but um, yeah, it just became part of our expectation was that uh, if the Lord tarried, then uh, this might happen, or if, if he didn't, then we wouldn't have to worry about it because the Lord returned. Um, so I'm just going to pick out a few examples uh, out of the Bible of uh, tarrying and uh, what, what it means and times that we're expected to tarry and times that we're expected perhaps to not tarry. And so Luke and chapter 24 and in, in verse 44, so this is just um, before Jesus was taken up, uh, after he'd risen from the dead and appeared to his disciples, uh, but before the Holy Spirit was given. So in verse 44, and it says, And he said unto them, These are the words which I spake, spake unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled, which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. Then opened he their understanding that they might understand the Scriptures, and said unto them, Thus it is written, and thus it behoved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And ye are witnesses of these things. And then this is the verse I want to focus on. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. And uh, if you know your um, your timeline, then it's, it was approximately seven days from from this to when the Holy Spirit was given. And uh, I had a look to see how far Jerusalem was from Galilee, where most of Jesus' disciples were from, and it was over 100 kilometres. So it was a long way from, from home for these people, perhaps a long way from their families. You know, um, Peter was married. I'm not sure whether his, his wife came with him or, or stayed home. And uh, there would have been plenty of opportunities for people to, to walk away um, and to decide they, they wanted to go back to their life. And perhaps some people even did during the time that they were called to tarry. They might have stayed for three or four days and then decided, no, it's not coming, uh, I'll, I'll head, head back home. And uh, it's the same, same in our lives. There's plenty of opportunities for us to, to walk back to our old life. Uh, but we're called to tarry as well, just like, uh, just like the disciples were. But we're not called to tarry for the Holy Ghost. We're called to tarry for Jesus' return. And um, like I mentioned, there's, so there's some things the Lord asks us to tarry for. There's other things that are not a matter of tarrying, but are instead about us claiming the opportunity or claiming the promise. Um, so I did have a look into a few of the examples of the word tarry in the New Testament, and uh, there's actually a, a, a number of different Greek words that are used, uh, that are translated into tarry. So it's uh, used in a number of different meanings and contexts, and sometimes it's used in the sense of just living somewhere temporarily. Uh, sometimes it's used in the context of uh, of, uh, of enduring something in anticipation of an event. Um, the one example, for some reason, that came to my mind of that is uh, enduring a baby crying in the anticipation that they'll go to sleep. Uh, that's, that's tarrying for them to sleep. Um, sometimes it's in the sense of, of just waiting for something, and sometimes it's in the sense of lingering or delaying or procrastinating about something. And uh, I just got thinking that we don't really live in a world these days that's used to tarrying. Um, the the age of the internet and technology has has brought about 
a world that expects everything to be ready now, instant gratification. Um, I was uh, actually listening to um, the history of, uh, of online delivery and originally it was uh, you'd expect maybe two or three day delivery and that was that was considered express delivery when you buy something um, from uh, your internet shopping. And then companies came about that, it, that promised two day delivery and then next day delivery and then even same day delivery and I think there's there's one in the US now that ex- that uh, promises a two hour delivery window so you can, you put in your order and uh whatever you've bought comes to you within 2 hours and I'm sure that's that's really handy for for certain um things that people might need whether it's medical supplies or things like that but I'm sure it's used by some people who suddenly decide that they 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 want I don't know they want something and they can't wait longer than 2 hours um also, even just got thinking about entertainment, and uh, I remember the day where if you wanted to watch a t- certain TV series and you wanted to watch every show of, of the season, you had to set up your, your video recorder to tape every every time, and you'd have to wait for the next one to come. And uh, but these days, it's it's just presented to you, and and you can sit there and watch it in one sitting if you if you really want to. And uh, I've actually heard people say, oh. Um, if something comes out week by week, they don't bother watching it because uh, they they find they lose track of it. And um, Everything's aimed at streamlining so that we don't have to wait for things anymore. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's everything's to be, um, everything's designed so that people don't have to be patient these days. Um, so then I got thinking, well, do people need to tarry for the Holy, Holy Spirit? And, uh, I was reading a certain book, um, about the history of the revival movement where they talked about tarrying meetings. And, uh, and people, that was common in the early to mid 20th century where people would simply gather and, and wait for the Holy Spirit to fall, fall on them. And I'm, I'm not sure whether they had, had prayer at the time or whether they just sat and waited and, and talked and thought about the Lord. But, um, it wasn't so much actively seeking the Holy Spirit. It was, was passively waiting for it to fall on them. Um, I'll go to, uh, book of Luke. I'm still in the book of Luke, chapter 11. Just thinking about, well, do we need to tarry for the Holy Spirit? Obviously, most of us here are filled with the Holy Spirit today, but just in general, do people need to tarry to wait for the Holy Spirit to fall on them? And uh, Luke 11 and in verse 5, and it's a couple of parables here um, that are related to uh, asking and keeping on asking. So in verse 5, and he said unto them, Which of you shall have a friend and shall go unto him at midnight and say unto him, Friend, lend me three loaves? For a friend of mine in his journey is come to me, and I have nothing to set before him. And he from within shall answer and say, Trouble me not, the door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed, I cannot rise and give thee. I say unto you, though he will not rise and give him, because he is his friend, yet because of his importunity, he will rise and give him as many as he needeth. And I say unto you, Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For every one that asks receives and he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be opened. And then there's another parable. If a son shall ask bread of any of you that is a father, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he for a fish give him a serpent? Or if he shall ask an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? So I don't believe that uh, this scripture really uh, proclaims a, a message of tarrying for the Holy Ghost. Uh, we're called to ask for it and to seek it and, and to knock on the door and, and thinking about the persistent friend in the, in the previous parable that uh, if you knock on the door and it doesn't seem to happen, you don't just give up and decide that, that's, that tonight's not the night to have it. You keep on knocking. Um, it's not, you don't read in that parable that the friend knocked on the door and uh, 
the person didn't answer, so he went back to his went back to his bed and then tried again the next night. It was he, he kept knocking until he got that bread. Just in my own testimony, um, one of my earliest memories was watching my sister get baptized, and from from that pretty well that moment onwards, I think I was was seeking for the Holy Spirit, and I was I was very young at the time, and perhaps didn't have a full understanding or appreciation of what it meant for me. Um, and as a result, uh, I, I did seek for a number of years. And uh, but I believe that I was thinking about this that I, I believe I actually began to tarry for the Holy Spirit, and uh, I wasn't so much praying with an expectation that uh, that this is mine for the taking. It was an expectation of maybe tonight the Lord will give it to me. And, um, and so, I, yeah, I began to tarry because I'd been seeking for a long time. And, and the time that I did receive the Holy Spirit was when uh, I was talking to my dad about it and uh, and just uh, talking a bit about what to expect. And I had, a, I had an idea that the Lord was going to change my tongue to the point where I didn't even have control over what I was saying anymore. Um, so that it was almost, yeah, something that I wasn't even involved in. And when that, when that changed, when my expectation changed, I, I received the Holy Spirit within moments. And, um, and I know I've heard people say sometimes about the Holy Spirit and they say sometimes it will happen in God's time, but, uh, I don't actually believe that to be the case. I believe God's always ready to, to give us gifts, uh, and God's ready to fill us with the Holy Spirit whenever we ask. And, uh, I got to the point where I was passively seeking for the Holy Spirit, so I was just waiting for the Lord to, to fill me with the Holy Spirit, but I believe it's more about actively seeking for the Holy Spirit. I'm just going to quote um, Zechariah chapter 10, um, and in verse 1 it just says, Ask ye of the Lord rain in the time of the latter rain, so the Lord shall make bright clouds and give them showers of rain to everyone grass in the field. So it's it's not a matter of, of waiting for the Lord to, to send the rain during the latter rain, um, we live in the time of the latter rain, and uh, and it's asking the Lord, saying, uh, give me rain now, it's the time of the latter rain. Just still thinking about this parable um, of the father who, if we ask bread, will he give him a stone? Um, in in Matthew, when it relates this parable, it actually doesn't say uh, how much more shall a heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him, but it just talks about uh, giving good gifts in general. And uh, you can even relate this, I believe, to not just the Holy Spirit, but to healings and uh, and whatever else you might be contending with. Um, I don't believe we necessarily need to tarry waiting for a healing. It's about uh, seeking the Lord and continuing to knock on that door and saying, "Lord, this is our this is the promise that's given to us," uh, and and asking the Lord to build up our faith and remove the doubt from our mind. And of course, sometimes uh, the healing might take a take time to to manifest itself. It might take a, a process where we we're healed over a number of uh, we get small healings, perhaps over a number of weeks or months or however long it might be. But the Lord's promise is that uh, we were healed when His Son took the stripes on His back. We're being healed now, and we will be healed. Um, so then, if we're not called to to tarry for the Holy Ghost, well, why did Jesus tell His disciples to tarry? And I believe that was because there was a time appointed for the Holy Ghost to fall upon uh, the disciples, which is the day of Pentecost. Uh, and that was the, the start of the New Testament. But we're living in that age of the New Testament now, so I don't believe we need to tarry any longer. Um, we'll go to Acts and chapter 22. I was reading this the other day, and um, if you read it in the middle of the context, it, it just looks like it's Paul telling his testimony. But if you read it, what had happened before then, it's it's an incredible um, proclamation of, of Paul, uh, giving a defense before a crowd who were ready to kill him. And, uh, I just got, was really impressed with how bold he was in, in what he said. But in, uh, Acts 22 and in verse 11, 
So this is Paul talking about uh, after he'd been blinded by the, the light when he was going to Damascus. It says, And when I could not see for the glory of that light, being led by the hand of them that were with me, I came into Damascus, and one Ananias, a devout man according to the law, having a good report of all the Jews which dwelt there, came unto me and stood and said unto me, Brother Saul, receive thy sight. And the same hour I looked up upon him. And he said, The God of our fathers has chosen thee, that thou shouldest know his will, and see that just one, and shouldest hear the voice of his mouth. For thou shalt be his witness unto all men of what thou hast seen and heard. And now why tarriest thou? Arise and be baptized, and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. And, uh, of course, it doesn't necessarily mention that Paul uh, received the Holy Spirit and what, what the timing was of that, but we do know that Paul did receive the Holy Spirit. And, uh, and so when he received, uh, his sight for one and, um, in the Holy Ghost, whenever that happened, what delay was there in him being baptized? And, uh, and I, I know baptism in, in many other churches has become not so much a symbol of, well, not so much washing away our sins. It's become a symbol of, of, uh, these people that decide they want to join a church. And it's, and if you ask some people who have been baptized, they'll tell you that baptism was simply just, uh, a public declaration that they're joining this church or that they're a public declaration that they're following the Lord. Um, and uh, I believe that's reducing baptism to being a lot less than what it really means. It's, uh, and so as a result, there isn't any urgency in them being baptized because um, the time isn't short for them. But uh, when we realize that it's a matter of washing away sins, then we realize, well, this is, this is something we need to get rid of. It's like if you, I don't know, if, if something uh, disgusting lands on your hand or something, if, I don't know, get a bird dropping on your hand. You don't, you don't think, oh, I'm going to hold that, hold that for a while. And it's, you want to get rid of it. It's just like our sins. We wanted to wash them away as soon as we could. Um, go to John 21. I don't know where that example came from, but <laughs> John 21. And this is again, um, before the Holy Ghost was given, uh, but after Jesus had risen from the dead and he was speaking to his disciples. And so John 21 and in verse 20, and it says, Then Peter, turning about, seeth the disciple whom Jesus loved following, which also leaned on his breast at supper, and said, Lord, which is he that betrayeth thee? So it's saying, Then Peter sees John. And it says, Peter, seeing him, saith to Jesus, Lord, and what shall this man do? Uh, so just for the context, um, Peter had, had uh, probably had a bit of a rollicking from Jesus for for betraying betraying him, and uh, and Peter was probably feeling a little bit like he had the spotlight on him, and so he he was trying to put it onto onto John instead, and uh, and I just was going to pick out this one verse in in verse twenty two, and it says, Jesus saith unto him, If I will, or if I am willing that he tarry till I come, what is that to thee? Follow thou me. So I just got thinking about the the tarry in this scripture is more used in the sense of of remaining or in, enduring to the end. And, uh, and this is what, uh, the position that we're in now. We've received the Holy Spirit and we're enduring, waiting for Jesus' return. But I don't believe this is the, the passive tarrying. It's not just standing around waiting for Jesus to return. Uh, it's walking with the Lord, being active and, uh, and, and living our life, expecting the Lord to return at any time. Um, of course we know God is a, a living God. He's not a, not an idol that's made of stone or, or, uh, or gold or precious metal. Uh, he's, he's alive and he, he works in people's lives and he's, he's a living God. Um, and so he's not, he's not con- just stuck in one place. He's, he's active. And so if we're just stuck in the one position, then we're not going to be walking with him. We're going to be in our own position. Um, 
I got thinking about how Israel had to actively follow the, the pillar of fire and the pillar of smoke, and they were tarrying for the promised land. Um, and if if they got got too comfortable in one position and decided, well, this is this is we're happy here, and then the the pillar of fire and smoke moved on, then they were no, no longer with the Lord. And uh, so we need to always be ready to to move with the Lord and not be not be stuck in one place while we tarry for the Lord's return. Uh, we go back to Second Kings. This is a, a really good example of uh, a time when Elisha was told to to tarry somewhere by Elijah, um, but instead of tarrying in a place, he wanted to be with the man of God. So he tarried with Elijah rather than just in a place. So Second Kings in chapter two, and just in verse one. And it says, and it came to pass when the Lord would take up Elijah into heaven by a whirlwind, that Elijah went with Elisha from Gilgal. And Elijah said unto Elisha, tarry here, I pray thee, for the Lord has sent me to Bethel. And Elijah said unto him, as the Lord liveth and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. So they went down to Bethel. And the sons of the prophets that were at Bethel came forth to Elisha and said unto him, knowest thou that the Lord will take away thy master from thy head today? And he said, yea, I know it. Hold ye your peace. And it, so then it repeats, Elijah said unto him, Elisha, tarry here, I pray thee, for the Lord has sent me to Jericho. And he said, as, thy, as the Lord liveth and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. So they came to Jericho. And uh, it happens again, the sons of the prophets that were at Jericho came to Elisha and said unto him, knowest thou that the Lord will take away thy master from thy head today? And he answered and said, yea, I know it, hold ye your peace. And then Elijah said unto him, tarry, I pray thee here, for the Lord has sent me to Jordan. And he said, as the Lord liveth and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. And they too went on. And then it says, and 50 men of the sons of the prophets went and stood to view afar off. And they too stood by Jordan. And Elijah took his mantle and wrapped it together and smote the waters. And they were divided hither and thither so that they too went over on dry ground. And it came to pass when they were gone over that Elijah said unto Elisha, ask what I shall do for thee before I be taken away from thee. And Elisha said, I pray thee, let a double portion of thy spirit be upon me. And he said, thou hast asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if thou see me when I am taken from thee, it shall be so unto thee. But if not, it shall not be so. And it came to pass as, as they still went on and talked, that behold, there appeared a chariot of fire and horses of fire and parted them both asunder. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven and, and Elisha saw it. And uh, so I just got thinking about how Elisha in this instance was determined to see this through to the end. And no matter what even Elijah said to Elisha, he wasn't going to, to just stand by and, and, and miss this event. Um, and you, you read about the, the people that, uh, that stood by and stood to watch it from afar off, and, and that wasn't what Elisha wanted. He wanted to be in the middle of it. He wanted to, to be in the action. And uh, as a result, what did, what happened? Well, he saw incredible mighty miracles. First, just the, the crossing of the, uh, of the Jordan. Um, what an incredible thing that would have been to see. And then later on, he got to experience that. He, he, he emulated what Elijah did, copied it, and, and the same, same thing happened. The Lord parted the waters. Uh, he got to see Elijah taken away in a chariot of fire. What a, what an incredible thing that would have been to see. Uh, he received a double portion of, of the, the blessing or a double portion of the spirit. Um, and straight away after that, he was recognized as, I guess, the man of God, the, the, the person that, uh, to follow. And, uh, I just got thinking about how in our, in, in our fellowship and, and with our brethren, 
sometimes we we latch on to to people and and they're just involved with the work of the Lord and and it's just a, an incredible blessing to be around them and to see the Lord working in them. And uh sometimes we need to be willing to to go that extra mile with them and not just stay in one place and and watch it from afar off like the sons of the prophets were but to to get in and and perhaps you might see them going out on an outreach and and it's it's easy to stand by and watch from from a from a distance but just to be there and and to be with them and and that's an incredible blessing for for, the, for both people um and of course when we when we do recognize these people it's it, it, we we receive a blessing just from being with them we'll go to hebrews and chapter 10 and in verse 32 and uh just says but Okay, so this, before I'm, I'm talking about this, this is, uh, talking about being, uh, being patient in, in what we endure while we wait for the Lord's return. Uh, so we'll just read that now. So, but call to remembrance the former days in which after you were illuminated, you endured a great fight of afflictions, partly whilst you were made a gazing stock by both reproaches and afflictions, and partly whilst you became companions of them that were so used. For you had compassion of me and my bonds and took joyfully the spoiling of your goods knowing in yourselves that you have in heaven a better and an enduring substance. Cast not away, therefore, your confidence, which has great recompense of reward, for ye have need of patience, that after you have done the will of God, you might receive the promise. I think that was what I was going to bring out earlier, was um, was Elisha trusted in the promise. He trusted in the word that Elijah was going to be taken. And uh, even in the hymn where it talked about, um, I know that, uh, now I know that he holds my future, uh, that the Lord holds, holds our future, and, and so we can trust in that. There's a number of people who trust in all kinds of other things. It might be, it might be other religions, it might be jobs, it might be, um, I don't know, family, and they, they trust in these things, and they might live their entire life trusting that way, and then something happens that shakes them of that trust. Uh, but we're not in that position. We're, we're in a position that we can trust in God. Um, so we can be confident in it, like it said in verse 35, cast not away therefore your confidence which has great recompense of reward. We can be confident in the gift that we've received and in the salvation that's to come. Um, pick it up in 36 again. So it says, For you have need of patience, that after you have done the will of God, you might receive the promise. For yet a little while, and he that shall come will come and will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith, but if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. But we are not of them that draw back unto perdition, but of them that believe to the saving of our souls. And, uh, so we wanted to focus on how the Lord is not going to tarry. When, when the time is, is right for Him to return, uh, there's not going to be a warning. There's not going to be a warning shot and then the next week the Lord returns. He, He won't tarry. And, uh, and when we start to think naturally, it can start to feel like, well, we've been alive for however many, however many years and, uh, and the Lord hasn't returned and you start thinking naturally and you think, oh, maybe it's not going to happen. Maybe it won't happen in my lifetime or maybe it, it won't happen at all. And, uh, and you start thinking about the churches that have set dates and, and ex- expected that the Lord's going to return and then it doesn't happen and it, that can, that can be a um, disheartening thing for the people of, of that church or of, of that religion. Um, but it is a promise that he's not going to tarry forever. Um, and so as a result, we continue to endure in the faith. Uh, and that means walking with the Lord every day. That, that doesn't mean that we, uh, we just stand there and passively wait for the Lord to return every day and, and just, just do nothing. Um, we, we walk because we want to be found doing the Lord's work. Uh, so we endure in the faith, being ready until the day that he does not tarry because that day is going to come. And all the people said? Amen. Amen.